Mr. Bradley, um, we gotta do something. We gotta tell somebody. No. Leave me dead. My name is buried. But the world's different now. I know people. Man, that's why you're here? You think things are different? You think times are different? You think I wouldn't be dead in a day if you brought me out? You want to believe jail was my fault because you got that white man's shield? They were worried my story might get out. So they erased me, my history. But they've been doing that for 500 years. <laughs> Pledge allegiance to that, my brother. They will never let a black man be Captain America. Welcome to the Coffee Clatch crew, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier review of episode five, Truth. I'm Brian. This is Lewis. Can we just take a moment real quick and catch our breath? Because that episode was so fast paced. There was so much into it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know I texted you when I was watching it late last night. And honestly, within the first eight minutes of after pressing play, obviously, there's the previously on. So it wasn't exactly full eight minutes. But I don't know. I think I gasped and like could not speak for that period of time. There was just so much going on. But let's talk about our initial reactions. Lewis, what were your your initial reactions from the episode? I'm with you, man. The first eight, ten minutes or so, it was just like, hold on, what is what is going on? It's just like back-to-back things were happening, you know? And the, the way last episode ended, it left me breathless, pretty much. It was just like, oh, snap, that actually happened. And then this episode started, and it's just like, go, go, back-to-back stuff going on. It's just like, whoa, whoa, give me a second. I just, I'm still kind of in amazement of the ending of last episode. And then this one starts off right off the bat. It was just, it was intense for me. Yeah, it was really intense. I did like the fact that there wasn't a huge time jump between last episode and this episode that we got right into seeing the aftermath of John killing that Flag Smasher Nico. Yeah. I thought it was really the right thing to do. There was a little bit of a slowdown so that you can kind of see that John was thinking about it and reeling around what he had just done and trying to process that. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, then they actually picked right back up again and really except for the part where they were in Louisiana talking with Sam and Sarah, it kind of really just kept you at the seat of your pants, right? It just kind of grabbed you and kept moving you forward throughout the entire episode. So yeah, there, there was a lot that happened. No, and definitely, like you said, they did have that small moment where you see uh, Walker trying to figure out, that's what I just did. I, I can't believe what I just did. Trying to t- catch his breath. And then from there on, like even when there wasn't an action sequence, like it was just dialogue. It, it felt like it flowed so fast throughout the whole episode. It was it was kind of uh, incredible to me how, how fast it was. Yeah, it was a really great episode. But before we get too much deeper into the episode, let's dive into the Marvelverse and take a deeper look real quick at the new character from this episode. We got the wonderful actress that is Julie Louis-Dreyfus. I think it was a great addition to the MCU. I personally was not expecting somebody of that caliber to show up as the cameo. At all. I was also expecting it a little bit later in the episode, not the first half. But Julia is playing Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Now, that is a bit of a mouthful. Uh, Oh, yeah. And even she herself understood that. That's why she said, call me Val, but don't call me Val. But honestly, this is kind of a deeper cut than... 
I was honestly expecting them to pull out from Marvel's history. Valentina was introduced in the 1960s and was kind of like an American version of Black Widow. Right. It was really popular in that time with the James Bonds movies and giving some current pop culture into the comics from an espionage perspective. Val kind of weaved in and out where it made sense alongside Nick Fury. Mm. As we got into the 90s and the early 2000s, Nick Fury wasn't as prevalent as he was in the 60s from a comic book storyline perspective. But Val did come up in a couple really key arcs that we know are coming up from an MCU perspective. There was a point where Val played a part in the Secret Invasion storyline where Skrulls had invaded Earth and took over people's bodies and tried to infiltrate that way. We know that there's a Secret Invasion show coming up. Oh, yep. And there was some allusion to it at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home with uh, Nick Fury being on the ship in the space with the Skrulls. So we know that's coming. So it'll be interesting to see if she comes up there. There's also a Dark Rain storyline where Norman Osborn basically creates a new version of the Avengers using kind of not so great people like Venom took the place of Spider-Man etc so there's some that she played in there the big name that people are talking about I've seen online is that Val at one point was named Madam Hydra yep I saw that one too but that's more of a infiltrating Hydra perspective She didn't really convert over to Hydra's beliefs, didn't really fully get on boarded with them. It was just more of Nick Fury trying to get more information about Hydra out. So that's where her role came in. So I don't think they're going to pull her in from a new Hydra perspective in the MCU. I fully expect her to go down the secret invasion route. And if we get Norman Osborn out of the next Spider-Man movie, maybe in the Dark Reign storyline in a couple of years. But I think there's a lot that needs to get set up for both of those first. So I think she'll be around uh, more cameos here and there. But I expect her to have a much bigger role later on in the MCU. Yeah, her um, her showing up in this episode caught me completely off guard. I did not expect Julia Louise uh, Dreyfus to just show up like that. And the way that she showed up, she totally owned that character in a way where it's like, I'm not used to seeing her like that. Right. I see her like in Veep and of course in Seinfeld where she plays the comedic actress. And then this one, she's kind of like very in charge. You could tell she's going to be like a legit villain somewhere in somewhere in the MCU. Um, I was reading that she was actually supposed to show up in the Black Widow movie. Oh, now since they they switched their release dates and everything and they rewrote some things maybe we're gonna see uh how her character develops in falcon winter soldier opposed to how she was gonna turn out in black widow i don't know if she's still gonna be in that movie but when i read that it was very interesting and i I wonder if they're gonna kind of segue her into that movie now going forward sure yeah that would be really interesting for her to play off of black widow in the movie as the american version if you will of black widow so that's that's really intriguing. I'm yeah. quite interested. More, well, I'm much more interested now in watching Black Widow when it comes out here in late May. Oh, for sure. All right, let's start talking about the episode. So like we said at the top, we get John's reaction in the warehouse after he kills the Flag Smasher, and you can see that he's just, again, trying to process Lamar's death, him killing Nico, what it means, kind of justifying almost in his head. Sam and Bucky come in and say, dude, we got to take the shield. You can't keep it. And what I thought was really nice here that you can see Sam utilizing his experience from talking with the soldiers about trauma. You can see him trying to use those skills. Yeah. To get John to understand what happened and why it needs to be okay. 
it doesn't really work out too well. No. <laughs> but it was nice that we got a little preview, I think, of the final fight that we'll get next episode of Bucky and Sam fighting against John. Yeah, what I really loved about the scene is that he basically reverted back to that counseling uh, mentality, kind of like what he did uh, the previous episode with Carly, right? Like mm-hmm. he almost got her to stand down. In this scene, what I really liked was that he was getting through John right. right up until, you know, as soon as John felt that's all Sam wanted, the shield, he's jealous because John has this complex of, oh, I, I'm the real Captain America. No one else could be Captain America. Right. I found that very interesting and how... You know, it's totally Sam's character to revert back into that counseling mode. And, and I love that scene. I love the scenes where you see Sam utilize, like how you said, his his skill of uh, talking to people. And I kind of get a sense of like the actor, Anthony Mackie, is very good at just talking to people as well. So that's what makes him so perfect for that role. Right. Yeah, what I thought was also interesting is you can see with John and, and again, credit to, to Wyatt Russell for his amazing acting in this series as well. But you can see how John's brain is kind of snapping through all of this. Oh, yeah. That he's just going slightly more crazy as the minutes of each episode go on. Yeah. And you can see, like, he was kind of understanding, like you said, that what Sam was talking about. But at the same time, Captain America, that mantle feels very important to John. Yeah. That he doesn't want to give it up. And that now when Sam said, hey, I need the shield back, it's almost like he's ripping apart out of John. Oh, yeah. Part of John's identity as it is now. Yeah. He's trying to take away his purpose, pretty much, right? Like, Right. That's his purpose. Being Captain America is, you know, his purpose in life now. He's like, you know, I'm the man now. I'm the guy for America. Right. And as soon as Sam tries to take that shield away, he's just like, are you trying to take away what I am, basically? You know, and I thought that scene was very well done. We also get the fight scene. And what I think is is interesting is that this paid homage to the fight scene at the end of Civil War between Bucky, Cap and Iron Man. Yeah. Where it's two super soldiers versus one normal guy. Yeah. We get the same thing here, but it's a little bit different where the two super soldiers were against the normal guy. Now we get one normal guy and a super soldier against the other super soldier. But this was this was kind of a brutal fight. You get to see the the desperation in John of how much he wants to cling to that shield and cling to the mantle of Captain America. And you can see that he can really go toe-to-toe with Bucky at this point. And we know that Bucky's been kind of throwing his punches because he doesn't want to like hurt anybody where John really doesn't throw his punches because he hasn't learned that tact. or How to. <laughs> right? Yeah. But yeah, just to see Bucky getting thrown around which we haven't seen before was interesting. I think it's going to, it's going to really play off next episode when everyone that's coming together in New York is going to come to a head. Yeah. And I think, I think it says a lot too, that they had to resort to breaking John's arm to finally getting the shield instead of just knocking him out or something else. It, it, It took a pretty big act of injury of just doing something that significant to finally get the shield off of him. What, what I really liked about the scene was that um, I find Bucky's reaction was uh, pretty telling here because it seems like he kind of understood John in a way while they were fighting because he's he's telling them pretty much Carly is killing people. That's the only way to stop her, right? We have to kill her to put an end to it. And I feel like Bucky kind of has that same feeling towards Zemo. Right. But at the same time, he's already getting past the whole Winter Soldier side of himself that he's... He's like, no, I, I can't understand the way he's what he's going through because I'm not that person anymore. So I, I and that also plays out in another scene that we'll get to later on. But I, I kind of get the sense that he he understood John or where John is coming from in the sense of how to stop Carly and why they should stop Carly. The desperation from John too of 
for lack of a better description right now, this is my precious. You're not taking the shield away from me. Where he snaps uh, Sam's wings. Yeah. And then goes immediately to the same thing that we saw last episode of him decapitating somebody. He goes and raises that shield up again. We know John takes the more violent way or takes the easier way out of it. But when you go and you, for lack of a better description, humiliate Sam by breaking his wings, the thing that gives him, him his identity... And then you go and try to do the same thing you just did to the Flag Smasher. Yeah. It really speaks to how important this is for John, the mantle of Captain America, and just the, the desperation that he wants to go to to make sure that he keeps it. Yeah. So it's it was a great, great first four or five minutes of an episode that just, you know, hits you in the gut with all the feels. Yeah, no, and beside all of the emotion and the feeling that each character has in the scene, the visuals is very well done, where as soon as Bucky and Sam go inside the, the warehouse, you see John kneeling down with the shield, kind of like trying to understand what he just did. And then later on, when, you know, Bucky's standing over Sam, he just kind of throws the shield to him. And it's like, here, you know, this is it. Like, right. this happened because you gave up the shield, pretty much. Um, you know, those two shots in that scene were just like, whoa. For sure. And it, and you can tell Marvel is taking some risks by going a little bit darker here. Yeah. And Bucky giving the shield back to Sam and basically walking away is like, no, this is your responsibility. You're the one that's supposed to be handling this. You're the one that's supposed to take care of the shield. Take care of it. Yeah. And then Sam rolling over and, and touching the blood that's there and trying to wipe it away. To wipe it off, yeah. Which is a very classic trope from anybody that just had like blood on their hands for some reason they're trying to wash it off and blood's already gone but the psychological scars are still there so they're still trying to wipe it off yeah you know i thought that was kind of really telling even subconsciously how important that shield is to sam at this point now yeah of trying to to take the stain away and clean it up and make sure that it's not besmirched at all by something that was so violent last episode yeah so yeah there's i mean i'm sure psychologists or somebody else that's a little smarter than us could probably talk about this scene for for forever just as much as they packed into those first five minutes uh, yeah it was it was man that scene I, we could do a whole podcast on just that scene probably. to tell you the yeah. truth yeah so then after after the fight scene obviously there's this kind of debrief and a regroup between sam and bucky and they kind of split their own separate ways for a bit but torres comes back in and there was one line that i think really spoke some volumes Sam is asking Taurus, is there a way to fix my wings? Taurus is going, there's a lot of damage here. It can't really be fixed. And Sam starts to walk away. And Taurus goes, oh, you forgot your your wings. And Sam says, keep them. Yeah. Now, initially, that kind of feels like Sam's given up. Mm. Because he's saying, I don't want this back. Just, I'm done with everything. <laughs> Which, understandably, after you go through what you just all went through. At that point, yeah. You just <laughs> throw in the towel. Yeah. I'm just done. <laughs> it's like, I want a break. I want to yeah. get out of here. Uh, but it was also nice that they gave a little bit of foreshadowing of Torres potentially becoming Falcon. Like we were talking about at the very beginning of our, of our podcast here, mm -hmm. that Torres does become Falcon through genetic manipulation in the comics. So him being able to keep the wings is a nice either a nod to us fanboys and or a potential foreshadowing of like, hey, Torres is going to fix these. And then he himself becomes the Falcon like he's been wanting to do ever since episode one. Yeah. So that was... That was a really nice. I was a total fanboy in that scene. I was just like, yes, get get Torres to wear those wings. I want to see him as as the next iteration of of Falcon or or some sort of superhero. That would be great for to see Torres that way. It would it would be awesome. Yeah, it would be great to see Torres come back and have a much bigger role outside of just these six episodes. So then after that scene, we get into it's not really a court martial. It's more of a Senate committee council hearing, if you will. Yeah. 
And this is basically where John's other than honorably discharged, which I had to look up because I, I know dishonorably discharged and honorably discharged, but other than honorably discharged is basically, you know, you didn't fulfill your agreement, we're kick, but we're kicking you out for lack of a, you know, being really, really short description here at this point. And John doesn't get any benefits or title in retirement. He's just booted out and kicked to the curb and set basically told you did something bad. We can't really punish you punish you as much as we should, but we're going to do as much as we can and you need to leave and get out. So there's another kick to the gut, if you yeah. will, for John, now that he's got his title officially taken away from him. But his reaction here is kind of also showing how much of a strain mentally this has on him from his temper and his outburst at the senator and him saying that, you know what, I am Captain America. It's like, well... No, you're not you don't really. <laughs> you don't really have the chops to do it. You don't really have the mental fortitude or the understanding of what it really means to be Captain America. You obviously don't have the title on the shield anymore. Please leave. Yeah. Yeah. They, <laughs> you know? I mean, this scene was great in the sense of how they portrayed his character. He's basically lost all faith in the U.S. government at this point yep. because he feels like you you essentially created me and now you're just getting rid of me. You know, like you said, it was just like, he is not there, man. And But at the same time, it's like, yeah, they, they did create this. They should have seen this coming. And right. I remember a couple of episodes uh, before that, Jason pointed out there should be someone that handles recruitment of who's who should be the next Captain America or whatever. And maybe that would have helped out in this situation. Um, but yeah, he's he is not handling it well. No. And I think the military pre this show or during vetting out John was like, oh, he's fully decorated. He's served his time. He's served the country well. We need to give this to him essentially as a congrats or thank you. But they didn't do enough of the mental psychology aspects of it which i think would have been a much beneficial use of their time yeah they, they could have avoided right. all of this pretty much if, if they would have done exactly. that so but it was it was great the way that um basically walker just looked at them and saying hey you created me now you're getting rid of me what's the deal yeah. and and the way he walks out of that courtroom right. while they're still talking to him it's just like screw it man i'm done and sure enough you know he's done yeah, so after he walked out, this is where we get Val. And I'm honestly just going to call her Val from now on because Contessa, because Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine is a little bit of a mouthful. Don't even try it, yeah. <laughs> but this is where we see John and Val talk after John's wife tries to calm him down a little bit and say, okay, you know, we can we can recover from this. You know, the first thing you need to go do is go talk to Lamar's parents, you know, and then we'll figure out after that step by step. John's wife is a nice yin to his yang. Yeah. You know, and she hasn't had many lines here, but the lines that she does have is pretty telling. Yeah. And then after that, this is where we get Vale to come in and have this conversation with John that felt like a sales pitch slash recruit recruiting pitch with him. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I don't know where this would be going. I don't know where her motives are at this point. It's just like... Just seeing her, though, perform that character in that scene, it's just like, I totally believe her as that sales, like you said, like a salesperson. Yeah, I, we'll go into it at the end in our spoiler section, because I have some loose theories as to where she'd go. But it's it seemed kind of interesting that there wasn't a payoff. Now, again, like we've always been saying, this is a three-hour movie broken up into six chunks. She might come in next episode towards the end to give a little bit more plot details. I hope so, because I think her showing up for just 10 minutes or five minutes on screen is a waste. Yeah. But Marvel plays a long game and they set a lot of things up. So I'm sure we'll see her again in the later parts of the MCU. Oh, yeah, for sure. So then after that, 
we see Carly and crew in the refugee camp. Now, Sam and Bucky have been talking about in this episode that they don't know where Carly is and they need to try to find her. So we kind of knew she would like hid away and try to get as many people as they could back after authorities were rounding up the rest of the Flake Smashers. Even though the conversation that she had with Sam last episode gave us a little bit of hope yeah. that she wasn't going to go as extreme as she could have. You kind of see it now that she's definitely on that train of there is no redemption I have to go down to the extreme route to make a point and stop the GRC. And so these seeds were planted here that paid off, obviously, later. I think it's interesting that you can see Carly's going this route, and her followers, while they understand and follow and believe her, they're still pushing back. They're not fully ingrained and believed in the way that Carly's going is the correct one. Yeah. So I kind of like that, you know, because usually... When you have somebody that's Carly stereotype type character in movies, the followers are just there to give you a sense of numbers on screen. Yeah. Versus being their own person, being their own individuals, and really pushing back. So I thought that was really nice and really smart of Marvel to have that devil's advocate conversation, if you will, even at that moment. Yeah, it kind of gives the followers some depth, right? They're just not like uh, red shirts in Star Trek. You know, they're just not there to take bullets. You know, they right. they actually have a sense of uh, I guess morality I guess because at this point they believe in what Carly's saying and much much so like how Sam kind of believed in what she was saying but not the way how she was going about it right I feel like the followers her followers are getting to that point where it's like yeah we were following you because we believe what you're saying but now you're just like really going extreme here you're you know, you're basically a terrorist now. Right. There, there's no going back from that. Yeah. So it was really nice. Like I said, that yin and yang. I kind of like how Marvel has been in this episode, sprinkling in these little scenes, like the scene earlier from Torres, the scene here at the refugee camp. It's a little palate cleanser for the next big scene that yeah. they're setting up. Here we see Zemo and Bucky at the memorial. Now, this makes sense to me that this is where Bucky's going to go because obviously Zemo's out there and he has to fulfill his duty to the Dora Milaje to bring him back in. Zemo made a reference earlier about the memorial when they showed up in Riga. So it makes sense that this is the place that he goes after he escaped from last episode. Mm -hmm. This conversation kind of went how I was expecting, but also not at the same time. Right. We saw the shot of Bucky dropping the bullets in the trailer. So I kind of knew that he was going to show Zemo a gun in some way, shape, or form, but then drop the bullets in basically a manner of saying, I don't need to shoot you. I am better than that. Yeah. Which I thought was really great for, for Bucky's character. But I also kind of liked that Zemo said, hey, I crossed my name off your list in your book. You know, a little creepily. Yeah. Obviously, because he's read the book. But him crossing the name off either is A, understanding what Bucky's trying to do and says, you've already redeemed yourself, in my opinion. I don't need you to come back and give me some sort of reputations or whatever. But this was a nice little bit of closure for the Zemo storyline, I think, here. I fully expect Zemo's going to come back next episode. We'll mm -hmm. talk about that at the end. But it was also nice to see Ao's comment of stay away from Wakanda for a little bit, implying that, hey, you're still welcome. Mm -hmm. Just not right now. Let temper settle because you let you let Zemo out. But just calm down a little bit. You'll still be able to come back, but just just not right now. I thought that was a really nice potential setup for another series later on down the road. 
yeah, I definitely feel like that's that's gonna lead up to something. But th- this scene was really great. I do like the parallel to this scene where Zemo fully ex- accepts it. He accepts that, all right, if Bucky kills me, he kills me, I deserve it. And he kind of wants it in a sense, you know? And I like that it parallels to the ending of Civil War where T'Challa is like, this isn't the end of your journey. And he kind of takes the gun or whatever. And, you know, it kind of mirrors that scene a bit where Zemo's like, all right, I'm ready for it. Just kill me. And then it doesn't happen. And he's like, okay, this isn't the end of my story. This isn't the end of my journey. Let me go with the uh, Wakandians and, and see what, what ends up happening. And I totally see him coming back in maybe the Wakanda series or the next Black Panther. He is too important of a character, I think, to not bring him back in some sort of way at this point. Yeah, totally agree. I saw something online of Marvel needs more recurring villains. Yeah. And Zemo was in that picture. I would, I would love to see Zemo come back in future episodes or future movies. Yeah, most definitely. So we then get into, I would say, probably the biggest scene. Sam goes back to Maryland to talk to Isaiah Bradley. Now, fully expected him to do that. Yeah. Fully expected him to go back and have a conversation and basically say, you know, is this the right thing for me to do? Now that Sam's been pushed to the edge of understanding that, yeah, he really is the right guy to be Captain America and take up that mantle now. But, you know, there's all this history that Isaiah has gone through and frankly, that United States government has gone through that no one really knows. So Sam going back to have that very poignant conversation with Isaiah, I thought was incredibly important. And at the same time, incredibly well done. Yeah. You know, the Captain America Truth, Red, White, and Black comic series, it was pretty much summed up in this episode of what that comic's plot line was. They didn't really change too much here. You know, and it parallels the Tuskegee syphilis testing that America did back in, you know, I think it was the 60s, mm-hmm. around black men, around trying to find something for syphilis to treat it. And... The thing that really kind of struck me in this moment, and the thing I think most people should really kind of take away, outside of the fact that we all know the government does shady shit, yeah, and we all know that they cover up a lot of stuff for covering their own ass, or the general populace is just not ready to be able to handle this piece of information. We know that happens. Yeah. But for me, the thing I take away from the scene is how Sam dealt with the topic. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's scarred Isaiah mentally, emotionally, and physically. Mm-hmm. So it's a very hard conversation to have, especially when it's something that's so race-driven. And I think credit to everyone that was involved in this scene, the writers, the director, Sam, right. the actor for Isaiah. You know, Sam just kind of sat there and asked questions and wanted to learn. He didn't have his own agenda. He didn't try to make it about himself. He was just trying to understand Isaiah's point of view. And I think anybody that's in any sort of situation, racially based or anything else, that's trying to understand how something has affected somebody at such a deep level, that is a textbook example of what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You know, like just completely listen. Yep. Yeah. Sit there, ask questions, just listen, and yeah. let the person share what they can and how they want to versus trying to have any sort of other agenda other than that. So as much as that first scene blew me away from the fight scene and how gritty it was, having this smaller, more intimate moment between two people talking about a topic that isn't great at all 
I was equally as impressed that Marvel went this route, that they're able to do it so well. And like I said, I think that's is really a textbook way for anybody that wants that's in a situation like this yeah. should be able to take away from it. No, I, I completely agree. I think this this scene itself is just the heart of the episode, really. Where whenever you think of this episode specifically, and the way that Marvel and Disney and the way that Isaiah's uh, Isaiah Bradley's character plays this, it's just like. You could see how much it affected him right. for Sam to hear that, for something like that to happen to Isaiah Bradley, who was Captain America pretty much, right? For for that to happen to him, how could he want to take up a mantle of Captain America when the the government didn't look out for their own? They didn't look out for someone like Isaiah Bradley. How they how is he gonna take up that mantle? And represent America when America doesn't represent him. Right. And that's where his conversation when with Isaiah Bradley is so meaningful and so powerful. Where this is the scene that kind of decides if Sam is going to take that mantle or if he's not. One of the quotes that really sticks with me. When Sam was asking, what should I do? And he's making the decision to, to take up the mantle and said, hey, I should we should tell the world about you and make sure that this comes to light. It's not something that we should sweep under the rug anymore. We need to know about it. We're in a much different time in America than we were in the 60s. There's more of an appetite for the general populace to understand this or at least listen to it. Isaiah comes out with a phrase... I tried to write it down as fast as I could, so I might missay some of these words, but I got the point. Isaiah says that they were afraid of my story getting out, so they erased me like they have been doing for the last 500 years. Mm. And, you know, honestly, obviously we don't get too much into to hard topics here. We're, we're talking more about the show, and this is very important for both of these characters and their development. But not only does that speak to the history, but I think it also speaks to how much we've grown as a country. Yeah. Especially in the MCU. As grounded as it is, there's still some problems, and they're recognizing that. I think this also spoke to Sam, and I, I'm kind of expecting, and I know we you know we do our expectations and theories later at the end of the episode, but this is kind of a big one. I'm kind of expecting Sam to make sure that there is some part of the ex- Captain America exhibit that Isaiah's history is recognized as well. Because I think it would be a disservice, much like we we're talking about with the Tuskegee syphilis studies that they were doing. You know, we need to learn from our history before we can grow. Yeah. And if you have a exhibit in the Smithsonian around Captain America, you also need to understand the rest of the history they brought in bucky they can obviously fairly easily as well do isaiah bradley justice and give him the recognition that he deserves so i would i'm expecting and would really love to see that happen by the end of next episode yeah i i really like that actually i mean now i now you're kind of hyping me up and, and i really want to see that in the next episode because i mean isaiah bradley really does deserve more than you know what what he his character got you know and um right so you know, this really is the heart of the the episode. That that, that scene, and for sure, you know, I I could go on about this scene also, but um, you know, I know we have to move. You know, we have to pick sure. up the pace here. But it, you know, it was just so well done. Such a good scene. It's probably one of the best scenes, yeah. um, in in the MCU um universe. You know, it, it's it's a very touching scene. Yeah, I would agree. I would say this is probably not only the heart of this episode, but the heart of these six yeah episodes that we're getting this year. Oh yeah. So then. After Sam has a conversation with Isaiah, he heads back home to Louisiana with Sarah. We're going to probably condense several snippets of scenes that we've seen back and forth with Sam and Sarah, Sam and Bucky, Sam, Bucky and Sarah, and they're flirting. (laughs) 
which I thought was really interesting. That was hilarious. It was great. It was great to see that Sarah's understanding that, yes, this boat is important and they shouldn't just sell it. That was great to see that development for her. It was also great to see that Sam and Sarah were able to rely on the good fortune of others in their neighborhood that were impacted by their parents. Mm. not just the good fortune that's been built up or the goodwill that was from the bank. You know, other people pitching in, and that really also, I think, speaks to the heart of not only this show, but also who we are as a country. Yeah, I think it was really nice to see that other people were able to pitch in. Bucky showing up, you know, obviously he had a plan of saying, hey, here's this box I got from a favor from Ohio, but, you know, also let me help you out. Yeah. You know, I got some time. I'm not doing anything else right now. I can help you out. Oh, you're having trouble picking up this motor off the truck. Let me just pick it up for you and set it right down. <laughs> I'm a human yeah, forklift. like nothing. Like if it was a feather. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There wasn't too much significant dialogue here in these scenes, but it was really nice, the little nuances that you got of their relationship and how they've matured compared to the psychiatrist scene earlier in the season. Yeah. Just them having a better mutual understanding between the two of them. It was it was really great. Yeah, I, I feel like we got a lot more of their friendship developing here. I, I feel like they are more than just teammates at this point where yep. going back to back with these scenes, you, you really get a sense of like a brotherhood between them. You know, like yep. I like how they're developing that. It doesn't feel like forced or anything. I feel like Bucky and, and Sam look like they they you know they would become friends if they were real characters and it, it went back to the buddy cop feeling right but without being like campy or just because it's buddy cop you know it, it really gave it some heart and of community too you get a sense of community in, in like you said in those scenes where you get people helping out and i like that sam or sarah was like look we can't get rid of our parents but you don't paint over their name because that's our legacy right right after having that conversation with isaiah it's perfect to have that scene where us getting rid of this boat is like erasing our history our legacy and i, and I feel like that was very well done yeah i fully agree that legacy is a, a big theme here in the show as well you know, if you look at Sam's trajectory over this episode, he kind of sees that John in the very beginning is the wrong person. Like we were saying, you see him essentially getting blessing or understanding what happened with Isaiah. The one last person he needs to kind of get his blessing from is Bucky. Yeah. So as they're randomly just throwing the shield around being like, look what we can do. We can both do this. This is great. You know, and fanboy me was like, yes, Bucky has a shield. Yeah. You get this very needed and poignant conversation between the two of them. And it's not adversarial at all, but you can tell it's a lot of respect. And the psychiatrist conversation a couple episodes ago really kind of led to this point for them because they have all this history now, like you were saying. And, you know, they kind of have that heart to heart. And I think a couple things were really interesting. Bucky saying, that shield is the closest thing to family for me. And when you gave that away, I felt I was losing a part of myself. Mm. I thought that sentence or those two sentences really kind of gives you a really good indication of how important that shield is to Bucky. Yeah. But then also the other one later on of saying, when Steve and I talked about what his plan was, aka giving the shield to Sam and going and spending some time with, with Peggy Carter, you know, they they didn't know what it meant to give that shield to a black man. Yeah. And, you know, this also, I think, speaks to what we were saying about Isaiah Bradley is that while we do have some really complicated past, not only as Americans, yeah, but as humans, right? There's a lot of stuff that we dealt with that is not great. No. Some very gray, some less gray, where it's completely bad stuff. You know, we can, as people, as a society, as humans, we need to grow from that and learn from that. 
so with Sam going through his journey and Bucky seeing that, he's realizing, he's like, hey, you know, we thought we were doing the right thing, but we didn't take into consideration what it means for Sam and, you know, what this impact is. So, you know, that was not our intention. Yeah. And we're sorry. I thought that was that was really great. And if there's anything else that we need to take away outside of this, like I was saying earlier with Isaiah, this is also another perfect textbook example for people finding themselves in this situation that they probably should also take away. And also what I got from this scene as well is how Sam kind of told Bucky, listen, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks of you or or what I think of you of, or even what Steve thought of you or, or you know, what you think he may think of you right it's it's what you think about yourself you have to understand that you're holding yourself back once you understand that you are not the winter soldier anymore and you are this good person and sam's kind of telling him hey man don't listen to anyone else just be you and really have a sense of self-worth because right now bucky doesn't feel like he's worth anything right and he's getting to that point where he's letting go of that he's making progress but the way sam is like you got to do the work and that's a very counselor thing yeah. thing to say. It's just like, hey, you got to do the work and it's on you. It's not on me. It's not on how you think Steve felt about me. It's on you. And once you get past that, you're going to be a much better person at the end. And just them just chatting, you know, on both ends. It was just a really well made piece of dialogue. I got a sense that both characters came full circle from where they were in that scene with the with the therapist. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, for as much as we've been talking about the character development that Sam's gone through in this episode, like you're saying, Bucky's gone through a lot as well. And that conversation between him and Sam kind of really did what that psychiatrist was trying to do with the tough love aspect. Yeah. It was telling Bucky's like, hey, you really kind of need to ask that person how you can make amends for the things that you did. So it's not about you. It's about somebody else. You can kind of see that light clicking in Bucky's head. Yeah. So I fully expect him to come back to the old guy from a couple of episodes ago of the, the father of the son he killed and really kind of say, hey, I'm sorry. This is what I do. How can I make it up for you? Yeah. Because we saw him struggling with that in that episode of how can I make amends for this person that's just missing his son. So I think that's a nice foreshadowing and callback at the same time. Yeah. Where I, you know, I fully expect a quick little snippet towards the end of next episode of Bucky interaction with that gentleman again. And another little quick little snippet of the psychiatrist coming back and saying, yes, I give you permission. You're good to go. That scene has to happen, right? Yeah, that scene has to happen. It has to. This is like, I told you so. Totally agree. All right. Like I said earlier, we kind of combined several scenes between Sam, Bucky, and Sarah together. Let's jump back to a couple of the other ones that we've missed. We saw coin adjacent term, crap cap talking to Lamar's family. John is there for two reasons. Obviously, the first one is telling them that Lamar is dead, which, you know, it's a very common thing to do in the military. You partner or someone that's close to the person that died goes and tells them. Understand that. But it was also really telling here for John's character that he said to the family, possibly for closure, possibly also to save face. Yeah. Most likely that. Yeah. Said that, you know, the person that I killed killed your son, which we all know is not true. Total BS. That was also really telling for John around his mental state of he's already rationalized him killing Nico because he was the one that punched Lamar, which we all know wasn't the case. So him regurgitating that also just kind of cements that into him. Internally, John's thinking, I'm still good. I'm still justified. Everyone's out to get me. They took the shield away. They took my Captain America name away. I should still be this guy. Everyone should see it. Let me just hear my side. And that's essentially what he was able to do here is tell his side to Lamar's family, still kind of justify it to himself. So it really kind of pays off then at the end where we have a mid credit scene of him 
recreating the Captain America shield. Yeah. And I saw this and I'm like, oh, John's going to go down the US agent route. He's going to have a different type of shield. It's going to be a different color. He's going to have a different colored uniform. You know, fanboy talk real quick. Yeah. Thinking back on it in the how many other hours I've been able to have to think about it, it's like, no, that doesn't make sense. Right. He needs to get to that point. He's not there yet. So while we probably will see that with him and Julia Louis-Dreyfus later, he's not there yet. He's still thinking he's good in Captain America. So of course he's going to make a replica shield. Yeah. He's, of course he's going to put that Medal of Honor on the backside of it just to kind of re- remind him, like, yes, you went through some shit, but people see you as a good guy, so you're a good guy, so keep doing this. He's in total denial right now, is, is what's happening. <laughs> oh, for sure. PTSD up the yin Yeah, and I mean, we'll get to it later on in the expectations uh, in the spoilers section. Just kind of going back to what we talked about Bucky and Sam, I like the juxtaposition of this, yep. how what John and Lamar's relationship was and what Sam and Bucky's relationship is becoming. Right. You could really tell John and Lamar were very tight. Lamar was basically the guy that kept him grounded. Mm -hmm. And now... Sam is kind of that guy for Bucky, you know, and their relationship is growing. And I really just like the comparison in this yep. where John Walker is full of vengeance right now. He's just, I just need to kill the person that killed my friend. And where he's full of anger and just working on losing it pretty much. Bucky was at that point and now he's just letting that go. Mm-hmm. I just really like the comparison of John and Lamar and Bucky and Sam. I think that's very well done in this scene. But going back to Walker, I mean, he's just, he's losing it. And he's in denial. And like you said, he really thinks he could be a good Captain America at still at this point. And, and I totally agree with you. He's not at that USA uh, agent point of his character development, but he's going to get there. I'm really excited to see next episode. There's one other little plot that we haven't got to, which we'll get to in just a second with Carly and the GRC, of how all of this is kind of building to a head. Yeah. There was some pressure releasing in this episode, but next episode is just... I think this episode with credits and previously on was about an hour. I fully expect next episode to be a little bit longer because there's just so much that they have to wrap up. Even though we got some resolution of threads this episode, there's still a lot that they got to do. So um, seeing John go totally crazy next week is going to be great. No, it's awesome. And just credit to the whole team, man, because, you know, I know they went through rewrites and they changed some things in the plot. And it still doesn't feel like it's forced or it doesn't feel like it's rushed or anything. It's just like a very well done series at this point. So I'm very excited for the ending. I mean, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I know Jason last week talked about how he was trying to understand what the motivation of the Flag Smashers were. And I kind of said, I was like, oh, you're they're just trying to get back to no borders. Everyone's just helping out because of all the grief and loss that they've been trying to process. But in thinking about the last week, there's been some clues about a plot thread that they dropped. Like we saw when we first got introduced to Carly in the truck, you know, Bucky said, oh, they're taking vaccines, mm-hmm. which obviously, yeah, in the time that we are in right now, as we're recording this, it's fairly poignant. And the actress that played Donya Madani was actually a fairly well-known actress. Yeah. She was in like the Perry Mason series that was on HBO and various other things. So her being in the series and just basically only laying on a bed kind of seems weird. Yeah. So I did some a little bit more digging and, you know, slight tangent just real quick but you mentioned rewrites you can kind of tell there most likely was some virus pandemic global something or other plot thread that they were going to do yeah to have some more motivation for carly and the flake smashers 
And then there's also been times where they have a lot of different types of voiceovers. Like there was, uh, Wilford Nagel did a voiceover around, Donya Madani has tuberculosis. And it's like, well, you did a weird cut there, but okay, it works. Yeah. But much to your point, I think the rewrites that they did, one, they're understandable because we're all done talking about the virus. You know, we don't want it. Completely. Yeah. It's a little too close to home right now. But I think they've done a fairly decent job of taking the time, taking the pause to rewrite it. And yeah, sure, there's some of those little things that they'd already filmed and they tried to fix it in editing. But when they were able to start back filming again in episodes five and six, it feels a lot tighter. Yeah. So I'm, I'm quite happy with where this turned out, even with all the disruption that we had and the, the original plot or subplot change that they had to go through. Yeah. And they're not the only series that's gone through this. I, I've seen other shows where it's like you could tell they rewrote right. the whole the whole season and, um, because of you know what's going on in the real world yeah. but this doesn't feel forced at all it, it, it's a, still a very good series where all the other shows it's like i could tell you i mean i could tell exactly what episode where it's like that's where you stopped writing that plot point you know and it's just like <laughs> right you know but it's just it was just it's just yep. very well done for sure so one of the other really quick scenes that we got earlier was sharon talking to Batroc on the phone. Sharon alludes to the fact that she got him out of the prison in Algiers, yeah. which was nice, and basically says, hey, I'm sorry, that thing I paid you to do earlier, alluding to the kidnapping of the captain in the first episode, that didn't work out, but I got something more lucrative. You can see that she's kind of playing both sides again and going for something that's her own agenda. Now, I like the fact that they brought back Petrock again to close out the episode. We know that he is just a mercenary for hire in the MCU, which is great. But, you know, I was kind of really disappointed in Captain America movie when he was there. He was just there to steal stuff off a boat and that was yeah, it. Yeah, he was a red shirt. Yeah. So, and then him coming in at the beginning of this series and then leaving, it's like, okay, maybe that's just Petrock. And it's like a, you know, inside joke that he just comes in the beginning <laughs> to set up a movie and then leaves. Uh, so it was nice that they were, he was able to come back into this episode and, you know, still having Sharon, even though she's there for 45 seconds on screen, it's still a little vague if she's the power broker or not, but she still is playing both sides. She still has her own agenda. It was nice that they were able to bring that back for just real quick second. Yeah, I really like the fact that they brought her back and it kind of solidified that she is more on the dark side, right? Like she's more of a villain than a hero at right. this point. And, you know, basically she's working with Carly right now, right? Like she's working with Carly in a sense. Yeah, I think I think Sharon, kind of like Batroc, is more of that mercenary for hire type. Yeah. Right? That she has access to all of these things, both paintings, so the good side, but also the bad side of like just trying to get nefarious stuff done. I think Carly, and she kind of alluded to this in the scene in the New York City's park, of... You know, we need this assistant. Please, somebody else help us out there, right? Like, if you think about Westworld and their app that they had of, you know, just a poster board of these things that you're supposed to go do and, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to get paid for it, etc. And people sign up for whatever they want. I think it, was, it kind of felt like that. Yeah. Where Carly posted out there, Sharon saw it. It's like, oh, I can help you. Let me facilitate this. Get a little bit cut off the top and make this happen because it fulfills what I need to do for myself. Right. What my own ends are outside of that. So it was interesting, for sure, the way that they're keeping Sharon around and facilitating things, if you will. Yeah. At the tail end of the episode, we see Carly in NYC. We get Petrock coming back and saying, here's all the stuff you requested. Here's all your equipment. Let me help you, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> and you can see that Carly is kind of amassed in New York City there. A fairly decent-sized 
following. Yeah. You know, people that are sympathetic to the flag smasher cause, not fully understanding exactly everything that's going on. Right. So you're not in the upper echelon of the leadership of the flag smashers, but I want to support you. Let me see how I can help. Oh, you need help? Let me go show up in the park here in New York. So I think we're going to see a lot more of them at the very beginning of next week's episode, because after that park scene, we get to see the GRC having a conversation around the Patch Act, which reinstates the borders and everything how it was five years ago mm. basically just wipes out everything they're actually voting on that and that's where you get some of the flag smashers to come in and infiltrate that and stop that meeting i think it's a decent enough cliffhanger to end the episode there and especially to set up for next episode but i don't know if it's actually gonna do anything for carly mm. obviously we know where she is now so yeah not only is john gonna come run into that location not only is sam and bucky gonna run to that location because torres gave sam the information and location about being in new york so we're all gonna come to that location but i don't right outside of being just a plot device to get everyone back together i don't know if there's much of a purpose i don't think they're gonna say oh yeah the patch act is a bad idea i don't think it's really gonna stop anything there yeah, I think it's totally just to move the plot forward, just to have everyone at that spot. Yeah. But I think this is where we might end up seeing who the power broker really is. Sure. Once, you know, everyone's at this spot, probably at the end of the battle. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I guess uh, I didn't really think about that. All right. So I'll give you a minute to think about it. We'll talk about Yeah. It. <laughs> we'll talk about it in our uh, theories and speculation at the end of the podcast. But in the meantime, let's go and talk about ratings. For the episode let's do it so imdb while not as high as last episode when they rated a, a 9.0 after reviews have settled they gave this episode an 8.4 and rotten tomatoes came up thankfully uh again i have a love-hate relationship with yeah, rotten tomatoes i think everyone does mostly hate yeah. but they came up to an 8.2 but still 100 percent fresh so with that lewis how do you rate this episode in number of shields? Well, since I wasn't here last week, uh, last week I gave that episode a 9.5. Mm-hmm. It was just an amazing episode last week. But this one, I'm going to go just a tad bit lower. I'm going to go 9.3. Okay. Yeah, I dug all the character development and everyone's storyline coming to a close at this episode. I think it was very well done, but it was missing that epic scene you know like that scene from last episode where you see john walker go off you know it was missing that for me in this episode so i read it a little bit lower but it's still a very very well done episode and i I thought all the dialogue and the character development was was i agree for me i also rated this episode a 9.5 last time I'm also going to go just a little bit lower. This episode also was just as good for different reasons for me than last episode. Right. Like you're saying, we got some wrap up and we got some conclusion to some stories and some closure in some aspects and a lot of character development, but it kind of felt more of like a staging episode, yeah. if you will. Clearing up the the trauma and the drama from the end of episode four, but then also kind of like moving the pieces together to get them to ready to go for episode six. So there were some points where the plot for me took a step back for the character development. Uh, a little bit slower. Right. Definitely I think it was needed as a roller coaster type series that we've had. You know, episode four was, you know, you climbed up to the top and now you came crashing back down. So you need just a little bit of a lull before you go back up again next episode. But right. so for me, I gave this a, a nine point four. Not as low as you, but again, we're splitting hairs at this point. It's not that big of a big of a difference, right? Pretty much, yeah. Now it's time to get our clatchers in on the conversation over at the digital water cooler. 
over on Twitter at CKPC Podcast. Every week after the episode airs on Friday morning, we ask you who you think your MVS, your most valuable soldier is. We give you a poll of four options. This week, I probably could have only done two, but we usually give you four, so I had to throw two more in there. Yeah. <laughs> and then we ask you to give your thoughts and opinions on the episode in the comments section. The poll's up for three days, so you still have a little bit of time to vote. This week, we gave you Bucky Barnes, John Walker, Carly Morgenthau, and Sam Wilson. Coming in at last place, tied at 0%, is both John Walker and Carly Morgenthau. Now, like I just said, I honestly probably could have given you guys only two yeah. people to vote for, and it would have been totally fine. I was fully expecting John and Carly not to get anything, but, you know, they kind of, in this episode, they both progressed their own stories forward. Right. In a way that was prevalent and necessary to set up all of the chess pieces for next episode. That's why I included them. But I totally agree that they're not the most valuable people this episode. 100%. Yeah. Coming in at second place then is Bucky Barnes. Now, I think Bucky himself did a lot to not only progress himself mentally, like we were talking about with that conversation he had with Sam. So I wanted to recognize him there. But he also really was part of the catalyst to keep pushing Sam closer to the edge of understanding that, yes, consciously, I'm the one that should be Captain America. Right. Totally makes sense that he's in second place. But then again, at first, is Sam Wilson. I think, like everything that we've been saying here this episode, it kind of speaks for himself at this point. But I will turn it over to you, Lewis. Who did you vote for this week? Oh, this one for me was, it was not hard at all. This one is going totally to Sam. I think this was Sam's episode. Much like last week, I voted for Sam as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is another Sam episode where you see more of his uh, expertise as a counselor um, using those skills. But also you really see him moving forward and accepting the mantle of Captain America. Like he's already at that point where he thinks he's worthy of it. Sam, totally, all the way, is my pick for this episode. So I myself, I'm kind of holding Sam for what I'm expecting him to do next week, honestly. As I'm looking through our notes, I haven't voted for him yet. But for this week, I voted for Bucky. You know, Sam's conversation with Isaiah and Sam's conversation with Bucky was very important and prevalent and really got, like we were saying, spoke to the heart of this episode. But Bucky was really the catalyst to spur Sam to where he needed to be. And I think without... Bucky in this episode, we would have had a completely different episode. So I think he was probably the most valuable soldier. Yeah, totally understand. And I remember you did you did hold off on Zemo in episode three, and I don't think we're going to see Zemo again. So we'll see. I think we will. Oh, really? Okay, we'll get to that. We'll ha- I think we'll have Zemo back. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably probably Sharon in episode three was not the wisest choice, <laughs> knowing what we know now about her. But yeah, I will I will stick by my votes. I'm fine being the controversial, hot takey person <laughs> on this podcast. That's totally fine. Cool, cool. Let's go back and look at some of the comments from last week's poll. Brian T. said, it's finally getting real. So again, this is from episode four. It's finally getting real. He went with Carly because her actions ultimately led to that final moment, that final shot of Walker giving up his moral authority to ever wear that shield again. I had shivers down my spine when that last picture-perfect frame aired. Thanks, Brian. Much like we were saying on the podcast last week, totally agree. Uh, that image is going to be per is going to be burned in our memories for the MCU for a very long time. Oh, for sure. 
Millie also replied to last week's poll and said that this was the best episode by far. Now Walker starts to get interesting. I would have voted for Bucky just for his reaction when he realizes he is free. Sebastian Stan played this so well. As we were talking about how well of an actor uh, Anthony Mackie is and Wyatt Russell is, Sebastian Stan has also been delivering some really good acting performances here. I think it's really a testament to not only Marvel for understanding what it's going to take for these characters and push them in a direction that they need to go, but we have just such great actors here. You know, this is honestly probably one of my favorite shows on TV right now, and I'm really hoping they're they're renewing it for a season two. But either way, having these characters continue in future movies is just kind of like the golden age of TV right now for Hollywood. It really can't get better acting than what we've seen here. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I hope we see more of Sebastian Stan. Um, he's just totally owning the Bucky character, much like Wyatt Russell is as John Walker as well. And I mean, all these all these actors are doing a great job. I don't think there's one person where I could pinpoint and say, I don't like his portrayal or, or her portrayal. I think everyone is just killing it. You know, they're just doing a great job. Totally agree. And then on this week's poll, we have Scrappy Socks that replied, Bucky is my favorite. Spelled with a U, so shout out to the UK listeners. Thanks for listening for us. Uh, Bucky is my favorite, but this episode belonged to Sam. So you have another person that's there, and Melly says that she also couldn't agree anymore. So I might be in the minority here, but like I said, I think Bucky is still my MVS for this episode. I mean, we'll see what, what Jason says. I, I'm pretty sure he'll go with Carly because that's his favorite character, but <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see what happens. For sure. For sure. All right. So if you want to join in the conversation, much like everybody else, you guys can reply to the polls that we put out on Twitter on Friday morning. We'll make sure that we read them in next week's cast. You can also email us at contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com where we'll read the email here on the podcast. Or you can call us and leave us a voicemail, which we'll play much like Melly did and some guy that was multitasking on a drive home and saying how much he missed this class, Lewis. Oh, man. You can call us at 252-CKC-6606. That's 252-383-6606. And we'll play and talk about that as well. And now it's time to jump into the quantum verse and we'll talk about spoilers, theories, and some speculation without expectation. So if you don't want to be spoiled, we will see you next week as we review episode six, hopefully the final episode of season one of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. All right, for those of you who are still with us, you know, there's a lot of things we could talk about here, Lewis. <laughs> there's another there's, hour of there... stuff that we could talk about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I apologize. This is probably going to be a long podcast, yeah. but there's just been so much to talk about. Yeah. Let's let's talk about our characters and go through there and see what we think is going to happen next episode and, and future. We are talking about having a wrap-up podcast after next week's episode, so we can talk about more future things that happened after, after next episode airs. But let's talk about Sharon first. She's probably the easiest. You know, we've been speculating that either Theodore Ross will be coming back and is the cameo. Obviously, he's not. I'm totally fine with that. I think introducing a new character into the works is great. But this, I think, opens the door a little bit more now for Sharon to be the power broker. And that subtly nodded to or heavily alluded to that she is the power broker next week. I think that would be a very satisfying conclusion for her arc here because it's been kind of hinted at for the last five episodes. I don't know if I could see it going any other way. But Lewis, what do you think? What's, how do you think Sharon's going to end up next episode? 
I kind of think she's not the power broker. I still don't think she is. I think, like you said, she's playing the um, pretty much the, the facilitator. Oh, someone needs this. Let me get them the guns or whatever. Or let me. The only reason I don't see her as the power broker is because of that one message that Carly got earlier in the series where it's like, you stole what was mine. I'm coming for you. And, and you know, that was the power broker that sent her that text. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just don't see Sharon sending that if she is the power worker, I don't see her sending that message to Carly and then sending uh, Batroc to pretty much help her. You know, I, I don't see her doing that. I, I feel like there's still someone else. I feel like there is someone that might come out probably at the end credits of next episode because, right. you know, it's not someone that that's going to be important to this season. But I think it's there's someone else. Yeah, I fully expect the reveal to come in the closing credits. You know, I think maybe there's like two or three closing scenes and like maybe two closing or mid credit stuff. Yeah. But to play devil's advocate real quick. So Batroc is just a mercenary for hire, right? We saw that Hydra hired him out in Winter Soldier. Sharon's hiring him out here. So even though Sharon herself isn't coming after Carly, she could have told Batroc something else. Like, yeah, we're going to give them this equipment, but it might be faulty equipment. Or it might not necessarily work like it's supposed to, so we're going to have some vengeance on Carly or something like that. I think it's possible. It's still a slim chance, yeah, but I think it's... yeah less slim than it was last episode or the episode before oh yeah for yeah. sure she's she's totally a bad person at this point like uh, sure i mean she's not the same sharon carter as as she was in winter soldier and and civil war so you know it, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting the truck i think also can kind of play into there as well like i said earlier it's great that he came back as a recurring character um, but i think they're going to keep him mostly as the mercenary for hire type individual yeah again like i just said he might have brought some faulty equipment back but i don't think there's going to be much more that he's going to do Batroc is so far in the mcu been kind of like a minor player right so i don't think they're going to build him up to the level of zemo in a future movie and have some bigger role so that's why i kind of see what is is doing yeah i don't see that happening either uh what are your thoughts on torres I fully expect like a another potential mid credit scene is Torres working on the wings. Yeah. And he's doing something like with a soldering iron or something like that. And then there's some sparks and all of a sudden everything lights back up. He's like, oh, it's great. And then we cut to black. Yeah, I, I totally see something like that happening. Um, I think we're not going to see him like in full gear or anything like that. Right. I think it's just going to be more just hints. You know, like you said, it's just him working on the on the wings or something like that. Or maybe Sam just gives him like the goggles or, or something. But there, there's going to be something with him. And I, I think he's going to play a bigger role. Yeah, I think it'd be great to see him take up the mantle of Falcon and not do the whole hokey being crossbred genetically with yeah definitely not <laughs> that was that was very hokey yeah. um, but him coming back as, as the Falcon was gonna be great so I know we talked about this earlier too but with John you know I think as everyone kind of comes to a head here I personally expect him to get his ass kicked again there's no way it's it's just gonna happen yeah but I think Julia Louis-Dreyfus is gonna come back in at this point and say you don't have your cap shield anymore. The shield you made was okay. didn't really quite work. Or John's going to give her a call. We'll get that tie back in, and that's where it sets him up as U.S. agent for something later on. I don't know when he would come back in, if it's part of the Thunderbolts that they might be mm-hmm. planning towards or something. But that's where I think he's going to go, is that he'll, he'll become his U.S. agent persona. Yeah, I, I totally expect him coming back next episode in full Captain America gear, still trying to be Captain America. And I mean, Falcon and Bucky are just gonna, they're gonna hand it, hand it to them. Yep. I mean, it, I don't, I see that shield breaking. That shield is going to break. John Walker is gonna be like, holy shit, they just 
completely destroyed me. I am not Captain America. And then, you know, she's going to come back and say, but you are this, you know, and then he will develop himself as the US agent. And yeah, I totally agree with you. That's where that's going to go. I know we've seen, and it's been really quick in trailers, so you kind of have to watch him at like 0.5 speed or something like that. But we've seen John run past at night a trailer with that new shield now. Mm-hmm. So he, he's going to obviously come back in and he still is wearing his Captain America outfit. So I totally agree there. Yeah. From a Carly perspective, I think, you know, and this is wild speculation here at this point. It's kind of hard to kind of place where her plot is going to end up here. But obviously she's going to come into the GRC room and hold them all hostage. And that's why John, Sam, and Bucky are going to run there. But afterwards, what do you think she's going to do? I think she's going to probably have some sort of revelation and reconciliation and be able to duck out and not face jail time. But yeah, what do you what do you think Carly's going to, how Carly's going to end up? You know, I really don't know about Carly. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where she's going to go. That's the only character which is like, what's going to become of her at the end of this season, you know? Um, yeah, that's up in the air for me, man. I really, I kind of have a, a feeling where John's going and where all the other characters are going. But with Carly, it's just like, you know, are, are they going to defeat her and, you know, imprison her? Or, right. you know, that could be something that, that could happen. But, you know, she is a character that I do see that might come back. Uh, maybe in another mm-hmm. season or uh, I wouldn't say a movie, but maybe another season. But the way they're developing John Walker, I, I feel like he's going to be the next bad, you know, the big bad. They still have the power broker thing kind of like we don't know where that is. So, right. yeah, maybe at this point, I think her character probably will be written off at the end of this season. But, you know, I don't know. I, I really can't tell you. I can't tell you where Carly would be. Yeah. One other thought that popped in my head while you're talking here is that she could go to the Thunderbolts. Yeah. In, in this episode, Zemo was taken to the raft, and we know that that's run by General Ross. Mm-hmm. And we know that General Ross and Zemo in the comics have a history for the Thunderbolts. So Carly could go there, being in prison, being a super soldier, it's, you know, needing that extra security that the raft provides. So she could pop back up if they are doing a Thunderbolts movie or series or whatever. She could pop up there. I think she would be a, an interesting foil to Zemo's character on that team. Would there be a situation where Carly, Zemo, and Ross would team up, right, for the Thunderbolts, and then U.S. Agent is with the new Val character, right? Right. It would kind of be like a three-way, like, battle, which, which is probably going to happen in, in this episode in a sense. You're going to have U.S. Agent, Crap Cap fighting right. real Captain America and, and Bucky while Carly is also doing her thing. So it, that's a three-way battle there. But in terms of groups, do you see that happening like later on where it's just like the Thunderbolts, Cap and Bucky, and then U.S. Agent kind of meddling in between there? Like, I don't know. Do, do you see that happening in the next season or so? I would think so. And I think Disney hasn't announced anything yet for a second season of this. Obviously, WandaVision doesn't fit well for a new second season. Right. I could definitely foresee a second season coming up for Falcon Winter Soldier, but I don't know if they would come back to the same storyline. Right. Um, I think it would be a different type of espionage type buddy cop thriller. So I, I think personally that Zemo and Carly and U.S. Agent would go off to the Thunderbolts. I think that's probably the more likely option there. Yeah, that, that, that would be an interesting watch. Yeah, I totally agree. I think them setting up, much like we talked about earlier, that they're setting up the pieces for Young Avengers, them setting up the pieces for a Thunderbolts movie or series yeah. would be also very intriguing. So then let's talk about Sam and Bucky as far as speculation. Uh, let's go with Bucky first, because uh, I think there's one big thing that I'm sure everyone that's nerding out about this series and understanding the comic stories is nerding about out about Sam. But So we'll go with Bucky first. 
like I said earlier, I think I'm fully expecting him to go back and probably, again, another mid-credit or one of those quick little ending scenes to wrap up plot threads. I fully expect him to go back to New York and make some sort of amends to the Asian grandfather that we saw in an earlier episode. That only makes the most sense. But from there, you know, because we do know that they have a Wakandan series coming up on Disney+, Plus, that they're in the development stages currently. Do you think that Bucky would show up there? Yeah, I think there's a high possibility. Maybe not like a main character in that series, but he will cameo or maybe be in there in a couple of episodes. I think his ties to Wakanda are pretty strong at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with the whole thing with Chadwick and with his passing, I think this kind of gives them the opportunity in bringing on someone like Sebastian Stan and kind of helping them move the Wakanda, you know, push that series along. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I totally see him at least making some sort of cameo or something in that series. Sure. Do you expect him to be... I don't personally expect him to be in Black Panther 2. I don't see how the story would fit. And this redemption of him coming back home, you know, is better better for that Wakandan series because it's they've stated it's different than the Black Panther movies. It's more of like the life of stuff that's going on, so a little more grounded, if you will. Um, but no, I don't... I agree. Him being in that series is a much better option versus being in Black Panther 2. Yeah. If anything, I think maybe Zemo might make uh, an appearance in the Black Panther 2 more so than Bucky. Um, mm-hmm. But again, you know, with, with Black Panther 2, it, I, yeah. it's kind of hard to to really know what they're going to do because unfortunately, you know, Chadwick uh, Boseman passed away and they're just still kind of like figuring all that out. So, um, But, you know, another cool thing that might happen to to Bucky where I kind of see um where it could help push maybe another season of uh Falcon and Winter Soldier is maybe Bucky finds himself in a situation where he gets captured uh maybe through like a mm. a Hydra type situation where or maybe like Val and US agent capture him and Sam has to be the guy that you know sure. rescues him or or something I could totally see something like that cuz that's a very very um Mm-hmm. Yeah, espionage type of storyline for something like a series for like a uh, uh, captain um, for like a series like like this one like the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Sure. I think something like that would work out. All right, so let's talk about Sam. Obviously, he's going to take up the mantle. That's kind of heavily handed to us at this point, and all but confirmed. Yeah. So it means he's going to keep the shield, and he's got his new costume. Uh, supposedly, excuse me. It's you know they did this whole trick of opening up the case and leaving some drama and suspense, and not showing you what's in it until next episode. But I fully expect it's an MCU take on his Captain America costume from the comics. Which I think is a really, it was a really cool costume, but I think an MCU take on it would be even cooler. Yeah. So, you're, you know, you're talking more of a red, white, and blue type take on Falcon's outfit. Yeah. The, the question I have for you, and this is probably one of those dub brands, no-brainer, but since it's coming from Wakanda, do you think it's going to be similar to the Black Panther suit, where it, it absorbs some of that kinetic energy for a bit? The, the thought I had for that is that even though we saw Sam practicing with the shield and doing a fairly decent job with it, even though he doesn't have the serum in him, you know, there might be a time where he doesn't catch it. So if it bounces off the suit, it doesn't hurt him. So it's an extra layer of protection. So that's why I'm thinking that it's going to be kind of similar to black panther outfit with that vibranium absorbing stuff that we saw in the first movie yeah but yeah i'm I'm, god i am so excited for next week to see that costume (laughs) it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be really great 
I think I think them setting up Bucky calling in that favor was perfectly well done in the sense where there's no way Sam could go in a fight with super soldiers and not get hurt as a regular person right. in just regular gear. You know, he has to have some sort of protection and the only people that could provide that Wakanda is the right. only place that that could provide that for Sam. So I think it's going to be something like a Black Panther type texture thing where he has to have protection because I mean, an all out fight with Carly and John Walker being super soldiers i mean i don't see him surviving that if it's just the regular falcon suit you know um i mean he barely he barely survived the fight with john walker if it wasn't for bucky you know like he would have gotten really hurt in this this episode yeah so it would definitely help level the playing field yeah you know for one human versus three super soldiers it kind of brings them up at the same level so yeah, i yeah. totally agree that it, yeah. it's going to help him you know i i know it's kind of obvious that he is set up to be the next captain america but do you think sam at this point talking to isaiah and understanding where he's coming from do you think he will pick up that shield and say yeah i'm captain america this is where i'm going i'm going to represent i'm going to represent what steve rogers represented right right or do you think he's gonna say i'm gonna use this shield but i am the falcon i am my own person i'm gonna make my own history because they kind of alluded to that right like he didn't make a definitive decision of being captain even though you see him training with the the shield and all that after having that conversation with isaiah i think there should be some sort of like i don't know there has to be a scene where it's just like I have to be my own hero. I have to have my own legacy or I have to fulfill the legacy of the past, which is what Steve did with Captain America. So I don't know. I don't uh, What's your take on that? So you're actually, you actually kind of hit the nail on the head as to what happened in the comic. Well, when Sam was Captain America, he, in a lot of exposition, he explained that he had a really hard time taking up the mantle from Steve. At this point, Steve had aged up to where he would have been if he was born in World War II. So now he's like an old guy with a cane. Yeah. He passed the shield to Sam, much like we saw at the end of Endgame. And Sam had this the same dilemma that you're kind of going through of am I Captain America and having to live up to filling Steve's shoes, who's still around, but pats the torch essentially onto me. I don't feel like I'm good enough. So he reluctantly took the shield. He reluctantly took the costume of Captain America. They did do kind of a propaganda campaign and news series say, oh, Captain America, Sam Wilson. You know, I... I don't think this version of Sam's going to do that. Right. I think he's going to take more the mindset of the shield was passed along to me. I'm the right person to hold on to it right now. I'm going to be its steward while I'm here and able to do what I can. But I don't expect him to say I'm Captain America like we saw with John do. I also don't think that we'll see the government coming up and saying, here's our new Captain America. <laughs> right sam wilson i don't see that either uh only because that failed so epically for them in the last couple episodes so it's i don't think they'll do that but i think they will come to an agreement with sam of saying hey yes sorry we were wrong you're the one that should be having the shield we'll let you keep the shield but since you're not you know captain level you're you're out of the military we can't give it the title of captain america and sam's probably gonna be like fine i don't want it anyway i just want to do what i'm supposed to do yeah so i think it's i think it's a little bit of both between what you what you were saying yeah i mean i could totally see him just making his own legacy you know he yeah i think he's at the point where he's past 
proving himself worthy of being Captain America. He's he's at the point where he says, like, I am the Falcon. I'm making my own way. So at the same time, you know, we all expect him to become the next Captain America. So next episode is going to be very exciting just to see him in the gear and and just from a nerd aspect from it. it, It's, you know, I'm I'm totally hyped for it. I'm there for it. Oh, yeah, it's great. I can't, even though we're recording this late Friday Friday evening, I really wish tomorrow was... Was Friday next week? Yeah. You know that as I'm watching the clock click closer to midnight for me, really hoping that that was you know the time that I'll be able to watch the new episode. So I'm super hyped for it as well. And that is all that we have for you today. Please join us next week as we review episode six again. Hopefully, the final episode of this season of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Until then, I'll be on your left, and this rounds on me. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CKC Podcast. And if you'd like to support Jason and Christina and would love even more content, including bonus casts and movie reviews, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash CKC Podcast. This round is on me. All right, and now it's time to get our clatchers in on the conversation over at the digital water cooler. God, you know, I just have it right here. I should just read it. Ah. Water cooler. <laughs> Flag. Jason, you better be here next week. No excuse. I don't want to hear it. God damn it.